I have no idea. I, I, I had a starting and then it got interrupted. But we were just talking about you doing too much research into things and then just <clears throat> wanting to buy everything in sight because it's pretty and does good stuff. Yeah, because it makes my life easier. Sure. Yeah. That's exactly why I do things. Okay. What? The, the problem is, is when we when I started this um, with Rob and Alex, mm-hmm. Rob and Alex already had the podcast going. Yeah. And they just had stuff that they'd bought in or more hand-me-downs or whatever the case is. Supposedly, Rob bought a bunch of it. I think Rob had the mixer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who had the different mics. Um, but yeah, they bought a, a whole bunch of stuff and then they kind of invited me to do it. And I just sort of did it once as a guest. And I have, I'm a very talkative person. You I've, don't say. I know. I have a lot to say, but not a lot of useful things to say. <laughs> yeah, you just verbal diarrhea. I do, I do. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of just evolved into like, oh, this is kind of fun. Just hang out with friends and, and chat. And I really liked Alex because that was the first time I'd really met him, I think. Mm-hmm. For real. I think I'd met him in the, in the mall here tw- once or twice. Sure. But nothing major. And then I just kind of kept going with it. And then what really kicked me off was... I kind of like I wanted I wanted to keep a schedule. That was my one thing I brought to the podcast is keep a schedule because mm. that is the most efficient way of continuing listenership, and that's the fo- most way of um, you know if you stop your the schedule, you you slow down. You think, oh, I can just skip it. I can just skip it. And then eventually, you don't have a podcast. Sure. So I eventually I wanted to keep the schedule. That was the most important part. And what was happening is Alex then had a kid. Alex then started, a, you know, developing a podcast app, and then Alex has doing more with his work, and I was like, "Fuck, you can't keep up." So I started taking over, and then I started just taking over more and more to keep everything consistent, and it was just easier than negotiating back and forth who did what episode. Yeah, do you like to have control? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There's a there's a reason. There's an ongoing joke that uh, running a podcast is like therapy for men. What? What is that a go? Is yeah, that a there's, thing? there's an internet joke that uh, you know guys don't go to therapy; they just start a podcast. Uh, I, you know, I think it's actually pretty fair. Yeah, because I do think that in therapy, one of the most important things they have you do is talk right. verbally, communicate what you're thinking. Yeah, communicate I, your thoughts and feelings, and you just feel like you're being acknowledged and listened to, and. Now you have the internet that is acknowledging and listening to you. Uh, no, I, I think it's just a way, it's a forced way for Rob and I and Alex to communicate. That's so it. we enjoyed hearing each other's thoughts um, on certain topics. And we would just, Rob and I especially, would just chat for stupid amount of times on stupid amount of topics. Sure. And this is just a forced way of doing it. Yeah. I would like to have it with more of my friends, but a lot of them aren't interested. And That's on that fun. note, you know what else is therapy? What? Rolling dice. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> it is a very strong. So today is a special edition. It is not digital love. No, it's analog love. Ooh. It's paper and pen love. Paper and pencil. Come on, you heathen. Uh, pencil, right. Nobody doesn't pen. So uh, what's, I, I've already said this, if you listen to our classic episode and if you listen to our last digital love episode you know what this is about mm-hmm. but why isn't this about D 5e because D 5e is for plebs <laughs> oh you're them fighting words. For the for the normie tabletop types it's funny that we've got this that's gonna like just bash on D 5e and then immediately we're gonna go do raised by spoilers and there's rich who loves D 5e oh yeah he's he's uh hard into that <laughs> that whole uh hasbro universe yeah so Pathfinder is, it was originally started as, first of all, it's made by a company called Paizo. Mm-hmm. They used to make magazines for D&D 3.5. They would make adventures. Kind of like back in the old days, you would have little mini modules for each campaign setting. And because there was no standardized setting back then, each module would be its own universal, unique setting. I don't remember what the name of the <clears throat> magazine was. Uh, so wasn't it their dwarf one? No, they did it for a bunch of stuff. No. Um, uh, good. Go go ahead and look that up while I continue the rest of the description. But uh, they started writing little modules, adding on classes. Third, they were a third party, effectively adding, you know, making little adventures. And they eventually wrote their first adventure, full adventure, and they would produce it in this magazine originally, uh, piece by piece. Every magazine would have a piece of the adventure. And it was called Rise of the Rune Lords, and it was their first in Galarian universe, I think, or first major adventure in Galarian. 
Uh, it's classified as their first. And they did that for 3.5 in a magazine. And then eventually the Watsi, who owned D&D at the time, they eventually moved to 4.0 and removed the open OGL, the open game license. And Paizo basically sat there and said, fine, we're going to go make our own RPG with blackjack and hookers. And they did. And it's, it's known as uh, Pathfinder. And it is also colloquially known as D&D 3.75. 3.75? Yes. Nice. It, it, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's an evolution of 3.5, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people like, you know, who's been playing it for a while, we call it 3.75 because it's it's if you took 3.5 and instead of going in a completely different direction in rules, if you just refined those existing rules. In fact, it is so close that we oftentimes play with rules and classes and character abilities and items from D&D 3.5 because it is so closely related. Yeah. Um, and it takes almost no, if, if any, adjustment to make happen. Yeah, it's true. So this has now been out since 2000, I think, 2003? Uh, 2004, 2004. I read. 2004. Yeah. So it's been out for almost 20 years, just shy of 20 years, 18 years now. Yeah. And I've been playing it for almost that long, which is hilarious. Um, No, because you didn't start playing it until after we started dating. We've only been dating for 15 years. That's fair. Okay. So then I guess it was later than I thought. Yeah, for some reason, I, I'm pretty sure I just read that they started doing it in 2004, uh, but I don't think they became an official, uh, their own official thing until 2009. 2009 was when they started. That's what it is. 2009 makes far more sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's when they first actually published it. They were making... Um, Oh, sorry. They started doing the magazine in 2002. They yeah. took over publishing. Uh, the magazine was called Dragon, by the way. It's very... Very um, generic. Yeah. Very generic. Yeah. Now it's called Dragon Plus. Because they had to add a plus to make it fancier. Because now it's a subscription and yeah, it's, it's not bullshit. a magazine. It's yeah. online. Exactly. And, oh, God. So, yeah. They started... They took over publishing the magazine in 2002. And they started kind of putting their own little modules in there. But they didn't become their own entity until far later. So, so 2009 makes more sense because... I have, I'm quite aware that I started playing it about a year after it was published. Yeah. And we, I think we started dating in 2000, oh geez, seven. Well, what's 15 years what's from 15 June? 15 years from today? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, math is hard. Aren't you an electrician? Aren't uh, you supposed to be good at math? No, that is the exact opposite thing that I'm good at. <laughs> uh, 2007. 2007. So. So that makes about sense. Yeah, two years after it came out. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yep. So I got into this because I started working at an IT company where my senior technician, uh, I, actually, I should start this way in the way back machine. Oh, yes, yes. Where Rob introduced us to it. Did he though? I think he did for me. Uh, Rob introduced us to D&D &D 4. No. I'm pretty sure it was 4 that we four played. 4 wasn't out back then. Oh, okay. I guess it was 3 or 3.5 or whatever. He never even introduced us to that. Well, he introduced us to whatever Rob's wishy-washy, no rules system, yep. rule of cool, do whatever the fuck you want. It was originally a Warhammer RPG. Yeah. That was a big one. Yeah, not going to lie. Rob initially ruined tabletops for me. Yeah. I mean, he's not here to defend himself. No. Um, no, but he's not. I, I'm but... willing to say it to his face in, in one of the classic episodes. But yeah, he definitely ruined it because we were children. How old were we? We were in high school. We were... 15, 16. Yeah, we didn't know about really fall, like, you know, strict rule following and the value of it at the time. Mm -hmm. And Rob definitely didn't know. He barely knows that today. No, and, and Rob, to be fair, in Rob's defense, what he was trying to do was create a cool story. Yes. So it was whatever you wanted to do in that world that created a cool story. And he would yes. just facilitate a cool story. And that was the end of it. Yeah. But the problem is it was just there was too much going on. It was too, too much chaos and like too many different people having different ideas of what a cool story was. Yep. And then also Rob having an idea of what he wanted the story to be. So he would sort of like push you in the direction that he wanted that story to go. Yes. Which is, that's like, kind of one of the number one rules of, of don't do this as a DM. Yep. I mean, there, there are vague rules, but you have to understand the rules in order for you to be able to allow to be break the right, rules. Right. Yeah, that's true too. And that makes total sense. So yeah, that's how, I guess we both kind of got into tabletop RPGs 
early on and relatively around the same time yeah through rob definitely um that being said we walked away from it for oh yeah quite we, a long we time. definitely just wiped our hands <clears throat> of that and never looked back but i always had a spark there was always a spark in it with me i didn't but i could never find anyone or I, not that i actively looked because it was like a, oh this is that thing that people do right and i didn't really think it could be anything more until I started to grow up and started to understand. I actually picked up the 3.5 that came in the box, the huge thick yeah, box set. Yeah, I remember set. the big box, the three three box set with the Dungeon Master Guide, the Monster Manual, and the, the Player's, player's guide. guide. Exactly. Yeah. And I started to read those and understand the rules more and go, oh, this is how this works. This is how that works. And I, I'm a very mechanically minded I, human. I just like the art in them. Yeah, I just like flipping through to see the art. They had it. Cool I feel like art. value it had to me. Yeah, it, it was really cool art. <laughs> it was. It definitely had a lot of inspiration. Mm-hmm. And that was good. But that's how I began it. And then I met Paul, who was my old senior technician, who start, talked about how he did Pathfinder. I don't know how it came up in conversation originally, because this is a decade ago, mm-hmm. over a decade ago. And he, due to some weird circumstance, I ended up getting invited to his game, one of his Friday night games, which is like a beer and popcorn, beer and pretzels kind of game. Sure. And I was hooked here's a bunch of guys most of them a lot of my t guys because they all knew each other through work yep. and we would all just interact hang out have some beers chill debate talk and play a dumb stupid game until two in the morning as adults do on a friday night mm-hmm. and that's kind of how i how i got into it it was fun yeah yeah i could see that yeah um you know how i got into it hmm. you oh is that how this yeah, works yeah that's is that how this, this whole system yeah, works is, that's how this is this is happening oh is uh, that what uh analog love is about we yeah. introduce each other to things that we love uh yeah i think it was a mix of i was sick and tired of you literally being gone every single weekend because you had um three different games that you were playing yeah and i had every second friday night yeah every saturday yep I don't think no, I was like, playing okay, the third one. It was just the two. But the two that consumed literally was, like 90% of your time. And it was every Saturday. It was every Saturday. So yeah. I would basically just be left alone every Saturday to be like, okay, well, shit, this kind of sucks. So I think, I think you guys had a discussion at the table of like, oh, hey, why don't you try to get Amanda into it kind of thing? Because I think you were feeling kind of bad at the time that you were essentially abandoning me every single week for at least two days. I love you. Absolutely, that conversation did not happen. Oh. So the way it worked is we are a very inviting crew, and we are always into introducing people to D&D, and we all are Pathfinder, and we knew you were a nerd like that, and I kept trying to get you introduced, and you kept thinking, you kept rebuffing me, thinking it was supposed to be a guy's time. Well, it was. Not really. It never was. It just coincidentally was a bunch of dudes. I guess. Because, not because we chose it to be, just women don't want to interact with us <laughs> we're a bunch of it dudes <laughs> yeah, I, that's fair. everyone had wives like sure, it, yeah it, to, for maybe for the friday group it was a guy's night out you know away from their kids and their and their wife but for our saturday crew it definitely wasn't no it's true um so no it just wasn't that it, there was not a specific well, conversation then i gave you more credit for having sympathy towards my feelings and apparently you deserve so <laughs> i love you way but- to dig your own hole in that one <laughs> but uh yeah no i think it started when I got invited as a guest to one of your Friday sessions yes. because there was a, a particular member who couldn't be there a lot. He had a lot of like things going on or whatever. So he played this, I don't even know what it was, like a champion or paladin or crusader. something. Crusader, that's what it was. And they're like, okay, well, just come by and, you know, pick up this character and, and you know, do what you can. And it was a lot. There was a lot going on with that character. Not really. <laughs> well, it felt like a lot at the time anyway. Um, you're right. In, in comparison, now that I think about it, it's really not. But at the time, it was a lot to deal with. Yes. And I guess I just, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the the atmosphere and like the, the camaraderie that you guys had while playing. Yep. And then I think the next time I got invited back, I was playing like an NPC character in your uh, Curse of the Crimson Throne. Yes. And it was a it was a cleric of Zonkuthan, which is a yes. very interesting character. Um and we're not gonna explain all the lore of Pathfinder no, in this episode. It's, it's so, too much, so we'll put we'll put out names if you know what we're talking about. Great on you, amazing on you. Come talk to us on Discord. We'll we love to talk about this. Oh shit. yeah, we'll totally nerd but up. About we're Pathfinder. not gonna explain here, it's not what this is about. Right. Uh so 
yeah, I played this this interesting cleric character, and I think I did that for a couple sessions. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, okay, but I want to, like, make my own character. I want to make something for me. And so when you guys... I think what was also interesting it was this female character, because she was Zonkuthon, she was a very powerful kind of dominatrix type character. Yeah, she was. She was Harley Quinn mixed with Catwoman type of thing. Yeah, it was like a pain is gain and, and I want to hurt everything with spikes. But not be mean. But not be mean, just like... I don't know, choke me harder, daddy kind of yeah. kind of feel, but I don't know. It was a weird kind of self-powering woman, female character. Yeah. And that wasn't necessarily what did it for me. I just, I, I saw that and I saw the, I guess the potential in different play styles mm. because I'd played like a bunch of different characters now. Oh, I also played Chung Po. So you got interested in the mechanics, not so much the role play. Yes, yes. It was a mechanics first, not so much the role play. The role play was hard for me because I was shy and I didn't know these people that well. And I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't in the mindset to play a character, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have the the confidence or, you know, the really the, the background knowledge of the universe even do that. Yep. So yeah, that was, that came later. That was a little harder for me. But um no, it was just, I played like a couple different characters by this point. And I don't, I don't even remember when I came in to play Chung Po, but that was just fun. That was just a fun character. Chung Po is a character that sort of got tossed around a lot. There yeah. was a lot of people who played Jung Po, but I think you played him in the most memorable time. Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, at that point I just went, well, okay, I want, I want to design something that like I want to play, right? Mm-hmm. Like something that interests me. Like these are cool characters, but like there's a lot of potential here. So... I don't, I don't remember. What was the first campaign I came into? I think the first campaign where you built a character might have been uh, was it Shattered, Shattered Star. Star. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess it would have been. Yeah, so I, I ended up making a um, Scald, which is basically Barbarian Bard Mix. Mm-hmm. And I was hooked after that. That was, that was fun. That was really fun. Yeah. It was a great time because the, the crew that we have there they're experienced enough mm-hmm. that everyone's had the limelight before. So everyone knows when a new player comes in, you give them the limelight. Yeah. And it you guys really did. Real you good. really did. You guys <laughs> let me just make all the decisions, whether they were good or bad, like, you know, touch the thing that activates the trap that explodes at everybody. And, and everyone like, knows everyone knows. Oh, like, they're all sitting here sees it from like 20 miles away. And they're like, she's going to fucking kill us. She's totally going to fucking kill us. And I touch the thing. She's like, yeah, okay, well we didn't die. So that's cool. But, uh, oh yeah, it was fun. It was great. And I, I really, we have a player, Paul. I'll, I'll mention him a few times in this because he's he's a strong factor in how much we play. He's, yeah, he's, he's he's a treasure in our group. He really is. Yeah, and he got he got me into it, and he got he kind of got you into it because he helped you. Know, he was the other player encouraging did, yeah. you. Uh, he's very good at that. Um, so yeah, it was it was really great. So now you've played this character, this skull. Now you're you're DMing. Yeah, yeah. I go from um, not being interested at all to making my own character to now I'm the dungeon master. So yay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't. I think you've only completed one adventure with us. Um, one full adventure from start to finish. Yeah, from start to finish. I think I came in. I feel like I played something in one of your other campaigns where I came in sort of like near the end and was just sort of there. What was, do you remember, so Curse of the Crimson Throne would have been the only other one. Yeah, maybe I just continued playing that that character character until the end of it. It's possible. Because um, there was no other adventure. We went from no, Crimson Throne. We picked up, no, we picked up Starfinder for a little while, and that didn't really work out that so not, well. Yeah, that was that kind last. of a, that was that was actually one of the first characters I think I made on my own, though. Oh, maybe. Right? Because I, I don't even remember what she was, because I don't remember Starfinder that well. It was just kind of. Clearly not notable. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh. No, uh, beyond that, I think it was just sort of like little like one-offs. Like we did that Pathfinder 2 little one-off uh, for a yep, while too. Yep. So. Well, you DM, no. Yeah, you DM'd that, I thought. No, I did not. Not the first one. Did I DM it? I think you did. Oh. I played a Druid. Right. Yeah. They all blends. At this point, I've now done, like, I don't know how, I got to go through all the adventures. Rise of the Rune Lords. Right. Uh, I've done Rise of the Rune Lords, Mummy's Mask, Curse of the Crimson Throne, Shattered Star, uh what else have i done um uh, you've done a lot of the little like done a lot modules. of the modules done a shit ton of those yeah and even like the society modules done like a metric ton of those yeah um what other adventures have i done oh come on adam <laughs> uh this is this is embarrassing i got a list here 
from earliest. So this is an order of Pathfinders, like order of, of what I've played and what was out. Rise of the Rune Lords was the first one. Mm-hmm. Then Curse of the Crimson Throne. We didn't finish Council of Thieves, but I DM'd it for a bit. Oh, that's right. Remember, we did Council of Thieves. Yeah. And that, w- that was like the first one that we kind of did on our own with an entirely different set of people. Yeah. Um, And we didn't really know what we were doing. We kind of sucked at it. And we sort of just, I think you were a little too green as a DM. Yeah. To really know how to keep that ball rolling. Yes. And we kind of got frustrated and just sort of gave up. And that was just sort of the end of that. That that didn't last very long. Yeah. It was my first time doing it. I learned a lot of lessons, but I improved. Uh, Shattered Star. Yep. Wrath of the Righteous. Yep. Mummy's Mask. Mm -hmm. Did a bit of Iron Gods. Uh, Hell's Rebels. Oh, did you play in Hell's Rebels with us? No, I did not. Okay. Strange Eons. And now we're doing War of the Crown, which is what you're DMing. Uh, Were you a part of the Slumbering Czar? Yes. Or Second Darkness? I was a part of Slumbering Czar. Okay. Those are the other ones that I'm seeing on the the list here. So I, when I first started, they were, Paul was running two adventures. Mm -hmm. The member of the every second Friday night, which was the Friday night group. And every Saturday, which was the Saturday groups. Every Saturday was the Sleeping Czar uh, or Slumbering Czar group. And the Friday nights was the Rise of the Rune Lords. Okay. So I was playing both of those at the same time. Uh, The campaign that we did for Starfinder apparently was Dead Sons. Oh yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, that didn't last very long. I think we got into like, what, the second book of that before we just sort of went, eh, this is a shit system. I think it was the system that really threw us off. We, we didn't know how to handle it and it just didn't seem to work out all that well. Mm-hmm. We didn't like the semi-magic, semi-sci-fi system. Like it just, it didn't play off very no. well. And you know what? I'm sure it's better now because it's been out for years and years and years. They've added a lot of stuff to it. I'm just not willing to give it another try, unfortunately. Yeah. Also, I'm not a huge fan of sci-fi universes. No, you're I'm not. not. Like I love high fantasy. That's like my shtick but in sci-fi i know it's just fantasy of another flavor it's just not a flavor i enjoy it kind of is and in order for it to work you have to treat it like that as well yeah it's how it's the only way it can work because otherwise it becomes too like this universe and yeah, no one wants just, to do that yeah nobody wants real life that's boring yeah that's a call of cthulhu thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i wanted to talk about the D 5e because obviously you're into this and clearly you're liking it so i don't have to ask the question do you enjoy it? No, I, of course I enjoy it. So I've got to ask the more important questions. Mm. What is it? Uh, now you've done D&D 5e about as often as I have, I'd yep, say. Absolutely. I, I think you've maybe a few less sessions, but nothing major. Yeah. Uh, not not enough to have a vast difference in our experience. I've never DM'd for 5e. Right, right. I've only been as a player and I don't know that I'd want to DM for 5e. They make it so hard so you've heard my complaints about yeah it's a i feel like it's just so much more work they make you really like work to be a dm which is probably why nobody wants to do it well there's a value there in the they focus their attention on make your own adventure make your own story make your own stuff that's their focus your personal flair you know add your personality into whatever this campaign is yeah whereas i've always taken the role of i'm i'm a i work every day I work every day. Mm. Um, it's it's a holiday day and I'm about to go work with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at work. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to help me. And not only that, but I do a podcast. I don't have time to create a whole universe. Yeah. For um, one four hour session. I also know that I'm not a good enough writer to create a... I don't know, a narrative and a universe that people will actually be interested in. Yeah. Right? Like people... People fucking get paid for that. People spend a lifetime perfecting that skill. Absolutely. Why am I, you know, the the mook fuck electrician going to be any better than somebody who's spent their entire career dedicated yep. to story writing? Like, no, my shit's going to be boring and nobody's going to care and it's just going to be a disaster. I don't think it's going to be as bad as you think as you tend to you tend to make you think things are going to be worse, but I think the amount of work and effort it takes to put into it and not only that, but if you're not feeling into it that week, mm. There is no game to supplement you. It's true. Yeah. Right. If you're feeling not that great, you're going to make a right, a shitty, this session is going to be ultra shitty. Right. Whereas the next session will be ultra good. And there's this huge wave pattern that you can't control mm-hmm. and you have to work very hard at that. It's like, no, you know what? The pre-written adventures for Pathfinder are fantastic. No, it's great because they give you everything you could possibly need to 
flesh out this campaign. Yeah. And they still do leave you some wiggle room to kind of like, you know, put your own personal spin on it. Like if you want to add little extra tidbits and whatever, but you don't have to. It's not it's not like a necessity. You don't have to put that extra work in if you yeah. don't want to. And the adventure will still be just as good. And we have a tendency to, if we want to tell a unique character story, we will veer off for a session or two. Either a different DM will DM or that same DM will DM a, a side quest right. that's per, u, unique to that character. And then we'll come back mm -hmm. to the main story. Yeah, arc. do some little side story building and then come back. Yeah, and I, then... I think that's great. I think it works out. Mm -hmm. um, now, that being said, we talked about how you were attracted to the mechanics. Right. Um, and the differences between 5e and Pathfinder. I use that comparison because most people play 5e. So I it's like to true. compare it It is to the that. more commonly used system because it's, I, I do find that in terms of learning curve D and D 5e is much easier to get into I think it's easier to get into as the player oh yes as a player as a DM it's harder I as think it's player, much harder it is it, if you go to any like you know those bar scenes or like outings or whatever and they just have like a pickup game of of tabletop it's like a hundred percent easier to do a pickup game of D and D five than yeah. it is for any other system for sure. And I think there's a, a give and a take there. Um, I, I totally admit that, that there is value in one versus the other pathfinder is far more structured. Yes, so absolutely. the rules are far more structured. There is a rule. I don't want to say there's a rule for everything because how many times have we come across that? Oh, yeah. oh, there isn't a ruling for this exact minor Right, and thing. we've had to dig through forums and find, you know, rulings done by, uh, what's his face there? The guy who- James Jacobs. James Jacobs, yeah. Yeah. Where he's just kind of like, oh, no, it's actually this. Everyone goes, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, we've done that. We don't do it often enough, especially now. I don't mm -hmm. think we, we don't, I think we'll look in the rule books maybe once every- 10 to 11 sessions mm -hmm. somewhere in that realm. Like we don't look very often anymore. Yeah. I think the last thing we had to look up was the um, mechanics for being tripped while flying because that, right. that was like a big issue. And yeah. And we all were like, well, I think it was like this. Well, I think it was like that. And we're like, Oh, I don't know. Someone look it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we're, we're tend to be very, I think the value and there's a lot of people talk about, well, in D and D five E you just make up a ruling and move forward. Right. We do that in Pathfinder. Essentially. Yeah. We, we but do that. But we have more um, structured knowledge to base the ruling off of, whereas yes. D&D 5, it's just like popular opinion. Yes. And sometimes the popular opinion will just end up biting you in the ass later because you'll make a ruling on something not realizing what it affects, and then you'll get into a scenario later and go, shit, yeah. this is really, really bad. Whereas at least in Pathfinder, you know that like, okay, because this rule is this way and this rule is this way, I feel like the the other rules will kind of protect you from yeah. like anything absolutely ridiculously catastrophic happening. Yeah, you'd have to ignore a bunch of other rules. And not only that, but you can take those other rulings to help mitigate and guide you on how to rule this one. Exactly. As exactly. long as you understand those rules. So there's more of like a safety net, I feel. Yeah. In in, in terms of like how to rule something. And I, I think the other thing that has, there's two things that I think have major value with this, the law, the rule, high amount of rules structure. Mm. Um, one is... I can, a player before they take their action can already predict what dice they're going to have to roll and how successful they are at a task. Sure. So I, as a DM, don't have to tell them what to roll at that moment and they have to fumble for dice and figure out what to get. They can pre-prepare what their turn is going to be. So that when combat comes around to them, they already know what they're going to do. They already know what they already have the dice organized in hand, ready to go. Sure. And I think that has value because you give the power to the players to know what is coming yeah. and they can make accurate predictions. It's a, I call it a consistent universe. I also feel like a lot of D and D and uh, we've talked about this before becomes a mother. May I? Yes. Because there is no rule for a lot of things you end up having to ask your DM, like, can I do this? Can I do this? And depending on who your DM is, sometimes, you know, they'll be reasonable and say yes, you know, whatever, or no. Sometimes they will just be like, no, fuck you. Like, I don't want you to do that in my universe kind of thing, right? Yes. So it 
it ends up being more reliant on the person who is running your campaign and less yes. about the actual like rule set or the system itself, which kind of, you know, it can be good and bad. Depends it, on who you're If you have is. a great DM, it's way better. Right, exactly. Because if you have a great DM, their mentality is, yeah, you know what? Fucking rule of cool. Let's just do it and see what happens or let's do it for the sake of a good story. But here's my counter argument to that. Mm-hmm. And I know right now we're just arguing D&D versus oh, Pathfinder. Yes, we are. But we do this all the time. Um, it's a running joke. It's a running joke. Yeah. Uh, the, that rule of cool doesn't, it doesn't just because Pathfinder has so many laws doesn't mean we don't abandon the laws. No, it's true. Like if we've done it plenty of times, if a player asks to do something that is kind of a little outside of how the rules are bending the rules, right? It's like rules as written versus rules as, as intended, intended. Right. So if you, you know, can justify what you're doing with whatever, like, you know, usually I want, for good role play reasons yeah, is the if justification. You, if you can make up some awesome reason, like for story or character or whatever the case is. Yeah. I'm going to let you do it. Right. Yeah. Like, why not? Why not have some cool thing that might happen that, you know, could affect the story or the situation or whatever. Yep. And everybody gets a good laugh at it. Cause that's what you want. You want everybody to have a good time. You want them to laugh and have fun and whatever. Right. So sometimes you just let people do stupid things and see what happens. Yep. You're, you're absolutely right. You're, you're absolutely right. The, the other funny thing I think is whenever I DM does D and D five, Mm-hmm. whenever someone was hey mother may i do a rule all i was thinking about was the pathfinder rule and how i incorporated it into D&D. I know, and that's- so when we were playing D 5e because there are so few rules in 5e i was taking the rules that, pre- that already existed in 5e and then for everything that didn't have a rule i just took a ruling from pathfinder and stuck and you know squished it into right. 5e right and that's we basically just played pathfinder with less numbers yeah realistically like that's how we played 5e which is fine it worked out um for the most part there's some people who weren't really a fan of that system they they wanted more of like the critical role like you know let's just tell an epic story and roll some dice kind of thing which is fine it's just a different way of playing but we, we tried to keep a more structured game and i get that not everybody's into that not everybody that likes you know, doing homework to play a game. I think the way we think about it, and this is something Paul and I have discussed, which, because I would say we're like the matriarchs of our, or the patriarchs, I guess. Um, no, you, you guys can be matriarchs. We're matriarchs. <laughs> we're the old parent, the old yeah. grandmother. Um, we're, we're the patriarchs of sort of our, our tables. Absolutely. And so we discuss, you know, what culture, what tone we want to set for all of our tables. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we do is we are totally willing to break the rules after you understand why the rules are there. Sure. Yeah. So we generally, when people come into play, we say, no, follow the rules as, as designed. And then once you start to learn why those rules are in place, you start to learn where you're allowed to break them yes. because you go, okay, I understand. I understand the rule as intended now. So now I can break it and still keep the intent. Right. And that's fine. Yeah. It usually ends up working out. So out of your characters and out of your mechanisms, I think I already know the answer to this. What have you liked the most? Even some of the monsters you've you've DM'd for. Oh, jeez. Or maybe characters you've seen other people play that you're like, oh, I'm really interested in that mechanic. You know what? I don't, that's kind of a broad uh, question because there's a lot, like there's a lot of different mechanics. There's a lot of different characters. Yeah. Like seeing some of the stuff that Paul comes up with because Paul's been doing this for so fucking long. Yeah. So long. So he can't just do more than just the, Pathfinder. Right. He can't just do the normal characters anymore. Like there's you will never see him just play a rogue. He can't or, play missionary. He can't play uh mages for the sole purpose of missionary position. Yeah. For the sole for, purpose of procreation. Yeah, no, there's not a chance. So the, the wizard in missionary position for the sole purpose of procreation. Yeah, there you go. Um no. So he the characters that he comes up with are just so out there. And he will just sort of like pick some like really weird, goofy, like personality trait or mechanic and just run with it. Yeah. So like, um, what was the one he made that was uh, the rainbow haired chick? Oh, that I was forget. like obsessed with unicorns. I forget her name. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember her name, but he made this character and like her whole thing was she had like what they called veils, which were essentially different items that she could like, there were like ethereal items that she could switch out and each item that she used or carried or whatever, each veil would give her like a completely different set of abilities yeah, and like things that she could do. And this, this character was such a, like a weird quirky Swiss army knife of stuff that was just 
really fucking cool but like flavor wise it was really cool too yeah and just seeing the stuff that he comes up with i just go oh my god this game is just like the possibilities are endless yeah he's a great show he digs into like a lot of third party and a lot of like 3.5 stuff because he's run out of material in just the regular pathfinder rule set so you know some of his stuff is like you know might be a little overpowered for what we're doing but yeah, he just like his character concepts are just ridiculous. He's also crazy. I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would accuse him of min maxing. Oh, absolutely. That's he's exactly what he does. Definitely a min maxer, but he's also not because he's definitely taken punishments. He mostly takes role role play drawbacks. Yeah. For the purposes of his mechanics. Yeah, it's true. So he'll usually have very powerful characters, which is awkward because I think he's the character I've killed the most. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, he's the player I've killed he the most. Maxes, but he also min-maxes things that aren't necessarily like a huge benefit to his character. Like, for example, his last one, the vampire death metal, right? He min-maxed armor. Like, that was his thing. Like, oh, yeah. He could not do any damage to him, but he was also a vampire, so he was weak to, like, sunlight and a lot of other stuff. Yeah. And he didn't do a lot of damage, right? Yep. He wasn't, like, a huge damage dealer. He just never never got hit. And yeah. that he was, like, proud of that. That was just kind of, like, what he was going for. But, like, as a min-maxed character, he wasn't, like, you know, super ridiculously all-powerful, like, you know, annihilate everything. He just was really buff. I don't he know. He just likes to take a certain mechanic and bring it to its limits. Yeah. Not necessarily a min-maxer. It just turns out that way because he can't not make a good character no matter right, how hard he tries. True. He just knows the system so well. He just knows exactly what to take for well, he, every situation. He used to help write slash edit for Dreams Guard Press. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was like that for a while. He, he didn't do that. I don't think he does it anymore. But, so we've talked about how many adventures. Um what was your first impression? Like when you were first running with that crusader and that first night, what was your impression of the game? Um, my first impression was, holy shit, there's a lot of math. Uh, yeah. And I think that made me really nervous because I wasn't in the habit of doing um, like quick, quick math, quick, quick, small math, which I'm a lot better at now. Yes. Um, Cause I've just, I've real, I've recognized like how to, add things together in a, in a, you know, faster way, like grouping them in tens or fives yep. or whatever the case is. There's just ways to make it go quicker. Um, but I was really nervous with uh, getting numbers like mixed up, right? Because there's, yeah. there's a lot of different stats that you have to use for each different thing that you do. So I got really mixed up with like, what does Bab do? And what is your, your strength stat do? And what is CMD and CMB? Yep. And like all these different separate stats that have to be used in different situations. And I, I couldn't like keep those in order. So I, I felt like I, I kept asking like, okay, what do I do? What do I do a lot? Mm-hmm. Until I really understood. Even still now, sometimes I forget like, okay, what the fuck do I add to this again? Yeah. But um, no, I honestly, I think it would, I, if, if I hadn't have been in the group that I was in when I started, I probably wouldn't have kept going with it. Yeah. But the fact that your the group that you guys had and like Paul especially, they're very um that's the word I'm looking for encouraging. Yeah. Right. And they're very understanding and they're very much like, no, we, we love this a lot and we want you to love this. So what can we do to help you, you know? get into this right yep so i think that was really good and i think that really helped because you know they were just very they were very nice about it like even though i'm a fucking moron and i had a really hard time like figuring out anything they were super nice about it well i think especially paul paul more so than me but even me i've seen so many people be introduced to the system and i've introduced so many people to it right that at this point i've learned that listen these people are going to suck for a while and you, you see the way i dm when i dm with new when i dm with new players i say here's a character sheet Say what you want to do, and I'll tell you what to roll. Right, right. And I'll te- I tend to study their character sheet more. Like nowadays, I don't even look at your character sheets. That's a you problem, right? Not a me problem. Yeah. And back then, I was I knew your character sheet almost probably better than you did at the time. Right. And the goal there was for me to help ease you into it. So all I was doing was at start. It asked you what dice to roll, and eventually you'd start to learn the patterns. And go. Adam is ex- Adam's going to expect this dice roll, and then once you start seeing the patterns, you can start seeing where the numbers come from on your character as you level as you level up and create characters yeah and then eventually i don't need to anymore yeah as you have the repetition i think you start to realize like okay well i know 
for the last like three rolls, I've had to add, you know, this to my stat when I roll this dice. Okay. So I'm going to keep doing that. And then you realize where that comes from and what that relationship is. Yes. Just simply through repetition. And I think eventually you kind of just, you, you pick apart the character sheet and you start to realize what each different thing does. And you start to realize the, you know, the, the link between everything on there and how the, the class and the character comes together as a whole. And then that's when you really start to understand the system. Yeah. And I think that's where Pathfinder ultimately wins out for me over 5e is 5e is really easy to pick up. Yes. Um, if you're DM, you can just start making rulings Yeah. and that's where it's fine, but I still think it, it doesn't make for a great session. That being said, the characters are far more diverse because of the mechanics the characters are far more diverse because of the mechanics. And not only that, the characters are far more powerful. The way I've defined it is Pathfinder is a superhero fantasy game. Oh, absolutely. You are super. You are definitely getting a power trip when you play that game. But because you are so powerful versus a D&D 5 character, 5e character, you the, the story possibilities become just immensely crazy yeah you get very much that marvel cinematic universe where like dnd 5e is the first phase of marvel movies yeah whereas you know pathfinder is what happens when you get to the second phase and there's the multiverse of madness there's the three spider-men all pointing at each other and it's just pure chaos yeah yeah i do agree that dnd i feel you yeah you really don't get that sense of like i'm getting more powerful I'm, I'm like leveling up, right? I When I played my Druid, for example, I felt like my Druid at level three pretty much felt the same as my Druid at level 13. Yeah. Even though I had a couple more different types of animals because I was a shapeshifter Druid. So I just had a bunch of different more animals that I could turn into, but I didn't feel like I was like, hugely more powerful. I didn't feel feel like I could overcome situations better than I could at an earlier level. Yeah. And I feel like that was kind of disappointing. I feel like, you know, you want that sense of like, look at me, I'm, I'm, you know, becoming more powerful. I'm getting these like super awesome abilities and I'm becoming godlike in this universe. And I feel like D&D kind of really tamps that down. Yeah. Um, but I think also it's part of the simplicity of it, right? Because the more powerful you get, the more things you have to take into account, the more, you know, abilities you have to remember that you have and like all that stuff. So it's a lot to, yeah. to juggle, but I feel like Pathfinder does it well because they really like kind of build that up over time, right? You get like one new ability every so many levels or whatever the case is. So, or even like spells or whatever the, whatever you're getting. And because it's a gradual increase, you feel like, okay, well I can do everything that I did before and then something new each time. Yeah. So you never really like, I don't know get mixed up, I guess. They don't throw too much at you all at once. If it's your first time playing, for sure. Yeah, But if you, most RPGs, and I think even 5e requires a mentor. Oh, yeah. Even getting into 5e, it'd be very difficult for a brand new group who have never played any other tabletop RPGs to get into. It's near impossible. No, you definitely need somebody who is experienced, who can, like, guide the rest of the players. Yeah, you only need one per table, really. Generally, just, and even just for, like, you know, the first campaign that you do, but yeah, you generally want somebody with experience. Yeah, that's true. So there is one interesting thing I wanted. Um, the, the, a lot of people, I know we talked about how this was going to be. You were concerned that it was a guy's night out. Yeah, I figured it because, you know, whatever. They, everybody always says that when you're in a relationship, you want to have um, at least something hobby wise or you know whatever the case is that you do separate from your partner right yeah you you have your thing and i have my thing and you know we keep that sense of independence while still being together you know i guess that's supposed to be healthy (laughs) some people tell that (laughs) yeah yeah, i mean you're in my podcast you're my my you're in my uh my podcast uh psychology uh what what do we call it therapy session you're you're in my D &D session the only thing you really don't do with me is watch as many movies as i watch no i'm not into binge watching tv and movies that's that's still a you thing (laughs) so i know there's a interesting question of like oh was i you know did i did i not like it when when you joined you know oh was i invading your guide guide? no actually i really enjoyed it (laughs) i i wanted you to play earlier Mm. um you just weren't like you kind of rebuffed it a lot and like I said, it wasn't a case of I was thinking of you being left alone because in my mind it was I've invited you. You're 
being here alone on your own. Yeah, and you know it's funny. You're choosing now, to do that. Now that we've been together for long enough, I feel like it's one of those things where most people go, what the fuck? You had every weekend to yourself and you were complaining about it? <laughs> like most people would love time away from their significant other on a, on a weekly basis. Like why would you not keep that? And you go, you know what? Yeah, it, it was like nice every once in a while because sometimes it's nice to just like, have a weekend to yourself and, you know, chill out and sit around your underwear all day and not really care about what you're doing or who's around. But I feel Wait, like you don't sit around your underwear when I'm home. Uh, not usually. Oh, you do it when I'm not home. <laughs> no, not usually. I'm going to put cameras around. Oh, the house. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. It was just one of those things where like, I guess I just, I felt like I wanted to be a part of something that you were very passionate about. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I, I like that. I like experiencing what you love and what, what makes you happy and what makes you excited <gasps> with you. What? Like this series? Yeah. Is that what this is all about? Def that's definitely what this is all about. Did you like that? Come around yeah, the circle yep, around right from the beginning? Circle. I'm Every, so good at this. Everything's a circle. Oh my God. <laughs> I did just watch everything everywhere all the time. And all I could think about was the everything donut. Or oh, everything the every, bagel. The everything bagel. The everything black bagel. Hole. Yeah. Everything's a circle. Yeah. So I think this is great. Do you have anything you want to say about Pathfinder that I'm not aware of that I don't think I've asked? Um, well, I think we talked about when you first started playing. Um, what did you What did you think of it when you first started playing? Like when when Paul kind of roped you into those Friday sessions? Oh, this was so long ago. I know. Uh, um, I I think I was just nervous. I, I was a lot of nerve. It was a lot of nervousness because this was my senior IT guy who I felt the need to impress. Oh, all the time. Uh, all not, the time. Any, not anymore. I don't, uh, I think I'm past that. No, now. you still kind of do try to sign. No, I think I try and be kind and, and cause he is so very, um, uh, not giving, um, he's so understanding of other people and he's so giving, I guess like generous. He's he, the one who, who hosts the games. Yeah. He always has a little, you know, screensaver for us. Yeah. He's always got the snacks for us. And the drinks. Uh, and he's always a DM at some point within his two games. Mm -hmm. And he bought all the models. Like this guy goes above and beyond. He built a whole, you know, table just for it. He put a TV up there with a Chromecast. Like he gives so much to us. He goes us. above and beyond for all of his friends. And yeah. he does a lot. He does a lot for everyone. And because of that, I, I hate to disappoint him. I, I want to give that back to him. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I yeah. want to give that back to him. And I, at the start, it wasn't like that. I didn't have that impression of he gave everything and, and we cared about it. And I was just, this is my senior tech. I don't want him to think I'm an idiot. I don't want him to think I suck. And I don't want him to kick me out. Right. Mm. And so I met all these other IT guys. I'm like, oh, this is great. Some of them I had gone to school with. One guy, I actually took his place at the company. He had re he had left the company and I had replaced him. And so I was nervous, like hardcore nervous. Had no idea. I'm bad at math. I <laughs> uh, still am. Not I was, to mention, you just have like general social anxiety around people to begin with. It's, I don't, do I... I you still do. You still get awkward around people. That's it, why you just swear more when you meet people. Yeah, you're totally right. I do. And <laughs> yeah. it's really bad. Yeah. For whatever reason, you think that like swearing equals confidence and you want to, you know, portray confidence to the people you're talking to. So I think it's just a shocking thing that makes people pay attention to me. Or that. I don't know. It's just my way of getting people's attention, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I know that you do it and it's just weird and whatever. You do, it, you, do you. It is weird. The more I swear, the more nervous I am uh -huh. generally. Generally. Which is really strange. <laughs> it's just funny. Um, so yeah, th this has been great. I, I, I love the fact that you're not just playing the game with me. You're not just enjoying it. You're loving it. And I, I would almost think, I get the feeling that if we were to break up, which by the way, I've got divorce papers here. Mm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, that you would potentially find your own group if you ever did. Like you would play again with another group of people beyond Oh, sure. Me. Heck, even now it's funny because when I go to work and I, I've met a lot of different people um, through my job now, just through like my apprenticeship and whatever. So I've had to meet new people all the time. And as soon as they find out that I play D&D &D or tabletops or whatever, they're like, do you want to host a game? 
Can we come to your game? Do you need another player? If you need another player, like I'm totally available. Just like, let me know anytime. Fucking text me out. I'll play. And it's just like, oh, wow. Wow. There's a lot of people. It's funny. There's a lot of people who really want to play, but there's not a lot of people who want to host. Yeah. And I find that 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 seems to be the issue like everywhere. Like it's hard to find a good consistent DM, but it's easy to find players. Like there are so many people who want to be involved in the tabletop universe, but just don't have a a dungeon master available to them and aren't willing to um, do it themselves either because the lack of confidence or experience or whatever yep. the case is. So I know or they that, don't think they can. Yeah. Whatever. There's a lot of different reasons why people like can't or won't do it or whatever the case is. And yep. I totally get it. It's not for everybody. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that I could just assemble, you know, a pickup group of random middle-aged electricians that I work with. Yeah, pretty much. And it's just funny. It's even people who are like older too, who they're like, oh, well, I played D&D like advanced when I was in high school and I really, really liked it. But, you know, I couldn't play it as an adult because I had kids or family or responsibilities or whatever. And now that they're older and their kids are all grown up, they're like, huh, I wonder how that that thing was that I did back in high school. Like if it's yeah. still around and like, would I still enjoy it as much as I did back then kind of thing. So they, they get the, the wheels turning of like, can I do it again? Do I, do I, I really want to roll the, I want to feel the dice in my hand after all <laughs> these years, right? So yeah, I'm pretty sure that I could. They want to gain their new dice addiction back. Yeah, I could just, you know, pick up random people and, and you know, start again, especially if I was willing to DM. As a player, it might be a little harder. Like I said, there's there's fewer people who are willing to DM, but I mean, they are still out there. And even our local game shops, right? They still host those events where they'll have people come in just to be dungeon masters. And then you can join any one of them with their campaign or whatever the case is and just play in the game shop for the night. So yeah, that still exists too. Yeah, it, it, it's great to have that feeling, that com- camaraderie. I think the definite, the better experience is if you can get a long-term group going other than those pickup games. Oh, absolutely. Pickup games are something you do if you just need a quick hit, but it's not the same. No, there is a the relationship that gets built between everybody at the table. And you gain those like sort of, you know, inside jokes or callbacks to, you know, a, another story that happened earlier, whatever, yeah. that just makes everything that much better, that much more like story rich or funny or whatever the case is. So yeah, it definitely gets better when you spend more time with those people. Absolutely. Well, this has been lovely. Yeah. yeah I, of, I love this. It is. I love this <laughs> game. I love that you're into it. I like that I'm into it too. And I love you. I love you too.